Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. Got a guest with us joining to talk about some OCR and some fundraising stuff for special operations, which is always uh, near and dear to my heart. Before we get that to that, though, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Hylete. Hylete is a fitness apparel brand. They make bags. They actually make some training shoes, too. I just picked up a pair of their Fuse uh, pants, and I'm actually wearing them right now. Again, Hylete's pants are literally the most comfortable pants I own. I bought my first pair in 2017, and they still look brand new. Highly recommend their products. They're very, very good. And then their backpacks are amazing, too. I've had two, I have two of their backpacks that I, I pretty much bring to every race. I bring them out on every travel trip I take, which is frequent. And they're both still very good condition, look brand new. We've got a bunch of reviews on Mudrun Guide for Hylite, both their compression shorts and then their their pants and their t-shirts. And then they also do like actually formal apparel. So they have like button down shirts and polo shirts, uh, both with that athletic fit. So if you've been working out a lot and you want to show those gains, but still look pretty nice, you know, they, they fit really well. So go over and check out Hylite. All right. Joining me today, I have Josh Andrews. So, Josh, say hi. Hello. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm gonna kind of breeze over his bio, but we're gonna we're gonna start talking about a lot of the stuff I kind of gloss over here a little more in depth. But, um, you know, in high school, played some baseball, football, and did some weightlifting there. And then uh, after college, got involved more into strength training and started competing in bodybuilding. So, also a big fan of that. Uh, one is NABF Pro Card. Was it National North American Bodybuilding North American. Federation? North American Bodybuilding Federation. There yeah. we go. Um, one is Pro Card there, and then in 2012, switched over, kind of went to the opposite side of the spectrum, started focusing on endurance. So again, very similar to my background. I switched over in 2014, um, started doing some some more OCR and endurance stuff, and then the big things. You know, he's the last couple of years, he's all he's been doing fundraising stuff for Special Operations Warrior Foundation. And specifically, uh, most of them were at a warrior dash, but uh, don't be fooled because they're they sound absolutely awful. So, let's see, 2017 he lunged the length of the warrior dash, a 3.3 mile course. 2018 bear crawled the same course, and then 2019 clean and tossed a 75 pound sandbag for the entire 3.3 mile course. Took 2019 off, and he's planning on this year, 2021, running the long haul 100 while carrying two chop fit chopper axes so these are like axes that they're basically fitness axes that you use to like swing and uh build muscle you want to describe those a little bit more josh yeah they're yeah they're um they're fitness axes you hit it right on the right on the the nail there um and they are designed for functional workouts unorthodox um and it works everything from your grip to your core to you know however you can maneuver the the axe whether it's one in hand one in your hand or two in your hand the company also has an app where you can download and get workouts um for them as well but that's i mean they're they're awesome i i was interested in them got one and started training with it and it it hit places that i had never really known about for a long time since bodybuilding days but um yeah it's um, they're, they're, it's a great product. Um, and they weigh a little over four pounds. These ones, the chopper pros weigh a little over seven. I'm going to be carrying two of them for a hundred miles, which adds up. <laughs> oh yeah. That, that definitely yes. adds up. So, I mean, other yeah. than that, you, you've done a lot of other endurance stuff. So he did, you got the one and only BFX 24 in there, Georgia death race, go ruck, uh, heavy, tough light, go ruck star course, long haul, hundred miler lost 118. So a lot of great, a lot of great endurance events, and um, has a bunch of top ten finishes uh, to your name. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna run through all of them and a couple uh, smattering of podiums here and there. So uh, yeah, let's, you know, I want to talk. We're gonna be talking about bodybuilding this episode towards the end. I want to talk about your endurance events you've done and the money you've raised for charity. A little more about Special Operations Warrior Foundation. Um, so I'm gonna kind of go in a little bit reverse chronological order. So let's start off with the big one coming up in 2021. Uh, describe what you're doing, when it is and go uh it's it's a a hundred mile race that i've ran a couple of years ago um long haul 100 it's in lando lakes florida um it's 10 10 mile loops 
well, it's kind of, it's a weird, it's a different style course. There's a central hub and you kind of do fingers or spurs off of it or you go out and back and you go down a different trail and back. So it's 10 of those and each one equals 10 miles. So, um, hundred miles total. And I'll be carrying the, the two axes, um, in my hands. The only time they will be out of my hands is when I'm at an aid station or at my, my own personal crew aid station. Um, my plan is to finish it under 30 hours. Um, that's also the Western States qualifying time. Nice. Um, and then my strategy for completing it um, is to do a four minute run, one minute brisk walk to recuperate. Uh, and uh, that's my goal is under 30 hours. Yeah. So, you know, in your training up for this, you know, what have you found that was kind of surprising or were you like, yeah, my, my hands and forearms will get tired, but um, it's just a lot of that. Is there anything that like really surprised you? You know, I don't know, blisters and a weird part of your hands or whatever. You know, yeah. Like Whenever I do any of these, the challenges that I've done for the special ops, uh, I kind of try to pick a, a game plan and, you know, do, do a little bit of training experience from those movements or, 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 um, you know, exercises. And for this one, what I've noticed is it's not my forearms or my grip that gets tired. It's later on in the miles. I uh, did a 30 miler with them this past Saturday. And um, about after t the 25th mile, my traps really started kind of burning and got sore spots on my thumbs where the, um, the head of the ax kind of rubbed. Ah, so this week I've just been kind of playing around with, yeah, kind of playing around with different grips. Um, Cause one of the things I don't with these, with these challenges, I, I don't want to make them necessarily easier for me in a sense. Uh, like I don't want to, you know, wear, wear a bunch of pads on my hands or try to use any sort of wrap to keep them strapped to my hands. I want to feel the true feeling of, you know, the, the whole experience. I don't want to try to take steps to make things that much easier. If you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm tracking. <laughs> um, just for our listeners. Why, why do you feel that way? Well, <clears throat> to me, these challenges mean a lot more than just, you know, a fitness feed. It's I'm doing them for a cause, special offers, special operations, warrior foundation, the charity they give, you know, so much to the, the special operations family because the special operations warrior foundation, the special operations officers or, or that, you know, that lose their line of battle, this charity helps pay for their children's education. It also helps the family out as well. So special ops gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we can do these things back here. We can have the races, we can, you know, do the bodybuilding and, you know, the country is protected and, you know, they give the ultimate sacrifice. So if I was, you know, get all padded up and, you know, make everything cushy, it, it's not, it, it, it just would take away the meaning for me personally. Gotcha. Totally, totally tracking and figured that's where you're going to go with it. And uh, love, love that charity. Very good cause. Uh, a lot of the charity events that I've done to raise money, I usually use Folds of Honor, which is similar thing, right? Uh, scholarship money to children whose uh, parents were killed or wounded in action. So and they, they actually the reason i didn't okay. the reason i didn't go with special operations warriors because my college roommate uh was not in special operations and he died so i not he didn't have kids but um and then the the only soldier i've lost from my units was actually when i was in the conventional army so i i so part of me feels like a stronger connection for loss there um even though i i come from a special operations background gotcha okay so let's go, let's, I mean, um, where, where can people follow you and where can people get updates? Um, and then what's the date of it? Yeah, January 16th. So that's great. What, week and a half away. Um, I'm going to be doing some Facebook live when I can during the event. Uh, I'm going to have a crew member there as well. Who's um, going to be doing some updates, but for my personal updates up leading up until the event, everything's done on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, that's, that's really the only social media outlets that I'm consistent with. I have Twitter, but it's not anything that I'm 
I don't, I'm not consistent with it at all. Yeah. And you, your Facebook is just Josh Andrews and then your Instagram is. It's my Instagram is geez. What is it? It's I think it's uh Josh TBS, Josh yeah. underscore TBS. I think Got it's it. the opposite of my, it's weird. <laughs> and then where can people donate to uh, the charity? Uh, specialops.org. Is, do you have a special down, uh, donation link for your uh, specific event, or is it just a generic donation link? Yeah, just the generic. It's just the website. Um, okay. Cool. So we'll we'll make sure we get a hold of that link create- and sh- share it to the Strength and Speed page. Okay, appreciate that. All right, let's. Any uh, any final thoughts before we move into some of your other endurance feats that you've done in the past? Um, anybody that would like to uh, <laughs> follow along, like I said, I, I'll be doing some Facebook Live when I can. Um, updates. I should be able to do quite a quite a few of them, considering how the the format of the race is. I'll be coming into the central hub. Um, God, what is that? One, two, three, four times per every ten miles. Three times for every ten miles. So I'll I'll be able to, you know, obviously do some updates and um my crew member should be able to help me out with that as well. <laughs> nice. Well, sounds good. And you know, I remember I, I remember the first time I saw your name was during uh, it was actually I think a Mud Run Guide article. Uh, where they talked about you lunging the entire warrior dash. And I just remember thinking like, that sounds so awful. Um, <laughs> and I mentioned in your bio, you know, you've done the warrior dash, something I would call it something awful combined with the warrior dash three times. So I guess l- let's start the first one and take me through, you know, again, just kind of the experience and, you know, um, how long it took, stuff like that. I, you know, I think people are just generally curious about that. So start with the lunging one, you know, how long did that take? And, you know, what were some of the worst parts about it? Yeah, so that was back in 2017. It was my first attempt at a uh, fitness feat to, you know, for the Special Ops Warrior Foundation. Um, I carried their flag the whole way. Uh, my my wife was with me. She had a pack on, you know, giving that carried my, you know, some nutrition and stuff. Um, it took seven and a half hours which the first mile went by, well, first three quarters of a mile, I should say, went by pretty, pretty smooth. Um, had, a, had a good pace going, wasn't overdoing it. But, and then it just got to where everything really after the first mile, that, that three quarters to a mile was pretty kind of painful. Um, and then after that, just like everything went numb and the whole lower body was pretty well gassed. Yeah, I can imagine. Do you know what your spl- your splits were by any chance? Like how long it took you from you know first mile, second mile, third mile? Oh no, I should have I should have broken that down because you know I wore my Garmin watch. But um, one of the things that I found out about these these heats too is that you get a lot of extra movement in there. Because I swear that we were at I don't know a mile, well, at least the the mile marker said a mile, but people were coming by and their watches said three quarters or half a mile. And I was like, what? <laughs> mm. There's no way. But yeah, the splits would have been very interesting. I wish I would have recorded those for all of them. <laughs> all right. And then your next one was the, sorry, um, the bear crawl one. So how, yeah. how long did that one take? Cause that one to me sounds worse. That's what a lot of people, originally um thought they uh, my wife a bunch of people on that i know that i told her i was doing it like well what what are you gonna do about your back your your lower back's gonna hurt and it it surprisingly didn't bother me at all the worst part were the blisters on my palms um i've in i i do a lot of my personal training that i do um for for me just as a as a fitness you know, enthusiast, athlete, whatever. I do a lot of uh, animal movements and bear crawls is probably the number one. So I'm, I consider myself a fairly strong bear crawler. <laughs> so I, 
I knew some of the aches and pains that I probably would have endured, but it, it wasn't my back at all. It was more of my, my elbows and my palms were the biggest one because I had blisters on my palms. So that was, that was the, the pain. And time-wise, it, it took – I was either – I was plus or minus five minutes or so of my uh, lunch time. Oh, wow. That's pretty impressive that Yeah, it was – I think just the, the breaks were, were – my resting times were a little bit less – because I mean, obviously, you can you can lunge a lot faster for the most part of a bear crawl. I mean, you could try sprinting doing a bear crawl, but you're gonna burn out pretty quick. Yeah. But. So and then the next year, you followed it up with the seventy five pound sandbag uh, clean and toss. How long did that yes, take? This is and uh, compare that well, to the other uh, one. Yeah. So. I had this one I thought nailed down. I was like, this one is golden. It might take me, you know, about the same amount of time, maybe a little bit longer. I thought I had everything figured out. The bad thing is I didn't actually make it the full course. I had to pull out a little after two miles. I wasn't, I was basically right at the course cutoff time. Um, I was going to ask about that. Did you you coordinate with Warrior Dash ahead of time and let them know what you were doing or you just kind of, show up and and go for it yeah i just showed up and go for it i <laughs> <laughs> got it um and so the there's two things that i didn't account for the first and foremost was um my hands i ended up having to put on gloves because my knuckles got tore up almost to the point where you could i mean it was pretty close to getting into bone territory on my pinkies and I still have welts on them from 2019 and they still get sore. Um, wow. The other part, well, the sand mixed in, I just miscalculated that. And then the other part was all the puddles. I wasn't even thinking of that. So what started out as a 70 to 75 pound sandbag easily ended up being 85 pounds at at points because of the water it landing in the water. Cause I went right through the puddles. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't go around or anything. Same thing with the bear crawls and the lunges. I went basically right down the middle of the course. Yeah. So you, you use an actual sandbag, so, right? Not like a wreck bag or something similar. Right. An actual, yeah. It had full on sand in it. Yep. It was, yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, so that, that was, um, that was very interesting. Well, not going to lie, all, all three of those sounds absolutely terrible in their own uh, terrible way. Uh, but I think what you're doing is great, <laughs> and I think it's for a, a great cause. And, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had a uh, South African athlete on the podcast talking about a rope climb. And I think these kind of like outside-the-box events, uh, they draw more publicity. Like I saw you were on your local news channel on your Facebook page. And, yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> I I think that stuff's great. It exposes the wider world to obstacle course racing, and you know, I, hopefully, someone sees that and they're like, "This guy's doing what now?" And then they're like, "Oh, there's a thing called obstacle course racing." Oh, you know, and they kind of explore it further, and then they're like, "Oh, anyone can do this stuff. It's not you don't just have to be crazy and be lunging the entire time." <laughs> right. So, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> now you have uh, you have done a fair number of other endurance events, including stuff like uh, Go Ruck. And, you know, we were talking just before the podcast started about your day job. So uh, why don't you share your day job with us and then kind of um, how GORUCK has somehow inadvertently influenced some of that. Yeah, I'm a uh, PE teacher at a alternative ed school. Um, so I work with, um, we cater to from sixth grade all the way up to senior, uh, senior year in high school. So I work with all the grade levels and... Define alternative ed for people. First year at school, I I wasn't aware. Uh, They were. Oh, okay. So they get um, they do something, whatever behavior wise, that gets them kicked out of their zone school, and they get sent to our school for a certain amount of time based on the infraction that they did at the school. Um, And so when they come, when they came last year, I was the 
a new PE teacher at that school, and I implemented, uh, I guess, unconventional PE. Uh, a lot of the students, they came to the school, and they lacked self-discipline, self-respect, um, even you know, self-love, you know, self-pride. So through my experiences with Go Ruck and some of the other events that I've done, just I tried to instill and we did some of that style training, workouts, um, what have you, everything, you know, team building, leadership skills, following skills, listening skills, it was it was much much more of a broader PE to me. It was true physical education, not just you know learning how to play basketball or or whatnot. It was something that these kids really needed in a physical sense. Well, I, that's again, that's very you know God, God bless you for the work you're doing over with those kids. I am I am not good with uh, with kids, and I can I can only imagine some of the challenges you have to deal with. So. Um. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, this year's, yeah, this year's a lot different just with everything that's going on in the world. Um, not allowed to do the same or even remotely the same stuff we did last year. So this year's a lot different. Unfortunately, it's not as, um, not as fun per se, just for lack of better words, it's not as fun because I know I had kids that really enjoyed and really wanted to do what I was doing. And, you know, I'll just be, I'll just be honest. Some of it was painful. I mean, some of these kids have never worked out before. Some of these kids have never done those style, you know, gotten out of breath or had to move, you know, a fairly heavy object for a distance under duress. I mean, it was, it was, we did everything from tourniquet training to casualty carries. I mean, we did a lot of, a lot of pretty cool stuff. That sounds, that sounds great. It sounds like way better than the PE class I was taking. Uh, when I was in high school. <laughs> so. Yeah, there was a few that wouldn't wouldn't have said that, but <laughs> Yeah, you know, I feel like even even those that probably in hindsight they probably appreciate it, you know? Um I think challenging experiences and they're in the moment a lot a lot of times they are not pleasant, but you know, in hindsight you you're glad you went through them and it gives you, you know, future strength to deal with similar challenges cuz Correct. Know, hopefully your something that happens to you day to day won't be as bad as the time you were uh, your PE teacher made you carry a 200 pound <laughs> student. That was a casualty in air quotes there uh, up and down the football field or whatever. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a reason the military uses a lot of that style training, you know, it builds teams, it builds resiliency, you know, all, all that good stuff that you've taken uh, from the military world and applied into uh, high school for, uh, you know, troubled use. So I, again, I think that's, that's really awesome. Sure. All right, let's jump over. Uh, any final things you want to say about that before we jump into some of the bodybuilding stuff? Um, yeah, just something I'd like to mention because I've gotten it a lot, especially during these events. Um, people ask, you know, or they say, thank you for your service. I have never served. Um, I've never served, never claimed to have. Uh, it's just I really, truly respect and honor the individuals that, sacrifice for the you know the better of the country so that's what i tell everybody it's like you know if they ask you know have you ever served no I, i've never served i have um some close friends that are former um, special ops or you know served as so i just really truly honor and respect individuals right on well, sounds like uh sounds like your heart your heart's in the right place there so uh, much appreciated. All right, let's jump a little backwards in time to before the endurance world. Um, <laughs> talk about bodybuilding. You know, uh, why did you decide to go down that route? You know, it's because it's it's as you know, it's a very weird culture, right? Like you're you're essentially <laughs> yeah. naked on stage, minus like a little you know sack over your uh, your junk there, and you know someone right. spray painted you like you know, dark, almost black, uh, before you stepped on stage, you were probably naked when that happened. It may have been a stranger. It may have been a spouse. You know, it's, it's a weird world. And then like they, you, they grease you up and you stand on stage and you kind of like, um, you know, you're like a show, show horse there. So, um, you know, why did you right. decide to go that route? First of all, uh, well, 
I'd always been interested into, uh, not always, but I, I think it was like sixth grade. I think I started, my dad had a weight set down in the basement and, you know, he was down there doing his curls and pumping his iron and he's like, come down here, try this. So I tried it. I was like, wow, that feels kind of neat. So I get interested in weights, probably about sixth grade a little bit. And it wasn't until high school that I really started lifting heavy and learning more about it for football. Um, I did everything wrong back then because football, I'm from Maine, so our seasons are completely opposite of what they are here. Not opposite, but we don't have year-round baseball or didn't have year-round baseball, year-round football. We had it one time. So in the fall was football. Winter was weightlifting after football. And then after weightlifting, spring came, there's baseball. So I would play football, weightlift, almost bigger for baseball than I was for football. (laughs) And then over the summer, just getting a little bit better shape. So I'd be really kind of smaller for football. It is a weird cycle. Um, Then I went to college and they didn't have the college I went to. They didn't have a football team. Baseball wasn't an option um, just due to one, my lack of interest in the way my schooling panned out. I wanted to be red shirted cause I was going to be there longer and the coach. Anyway, that's a whole nother side story. It just didn't work out. And so I started hitting the gym more and got more involved and more involved and started working at the, the university's fitness center and saw a woman in there that was pretty, not huge, but she was really shredded and she was told me she was a bodybuilder. I talked to her more and, eventually decided all right i'd like to give this a shot so i talked to her more she gave me some tips more on diet and a little bit of training and that's where it just blossomed and i ended up um doing my first show finished second in my division and it just snowballed my my second show won the um overalls at a, a, a state show the main states and then went to NABF Nationals on my third show and earned my pro card. Yeah, and that's wild. And yeah, how long and did you? How long did you end up doing bodybuilding for total? Oh, let's see, my first show, man, it was a the whole time like training, training specifically for bodybuilding. It was about 11 years, 11, 12 years in that range. Oof. That's, a, that's a long time. And tell people, yeah. you know, the, the, hard, the hardest part about bodybuilding, what is it? Um, for – it was – it's weird, different stages. Um, probably the – you know, a lot of people say the dieting was the hard part, um, which for me, it wasn't oh, really my, per- my personal hard part was the routine, the, the posing routine. Okay. First of all, when I, before I, when I decided to do a bodybuilding show, my biggest fear was stepping on stage, being in that little banana hammock. Yeah. That was my biggest fear. The second part is when Cheryl, the lady who was the bodybuilder, she told me that I'd have to do an individual routine. So I'd be up there all by myself, all eyes on me, and I'd have to do all these weird poses and transitions and to the music and be um, harmonious. And I was like, well, maybe this isn't for me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want one. I'm not really comfortable being up there in in a little speedo, but if there's other people up there and not all eyes are on me, yeah, okay. it's less intimidating. That's a little bit better. I agree. Right. And so <clears throat> it was, yeah. So for me, that was always the hardest part. It was even later in my career of it, just the routine. Just oh, I just dreaded the routine. And it was funny because I eventually moved down to Florida and worked my way up through the, the Florida ranks in the NPC and, you know, uh, shows wanted me to come and guest pose. And so I'd come and guest pose. It still bothered me to go out there all by myself. It was even on that. It was, it was weird. Uh, it's a, but, how long before a show, how long would you diet for? I started out with 12 to 14 weeks earlier in my career. <laughs> 
And I was like, man, this has got to be an easier way to do this. 12 to 14 weeks is just, that's crazy. So just through talking with people and learning about diet and what my body likes and doesn't like, and obviously training and how my body reacts to certain things, I pared it down to about eight weeks because I would stay leaner year round. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So it was, it was more like a fine tuning versus because when I first started out, I just, okay. So my bulking diet when I first started out was I would eat a pound of peanut butter a day throughout the course of the day on top of 500 calories every two hours. And then I would drink milk, olive oil and egg whites before I went to bed. <laughs> Amazing. That's hardcore. Yeah. I, it, I got to the point where it was hard to tie my shoes. I was 269 pounds for, I don't know, a couple of days, but I averaged right around 260 at that point, but I would get out of breath just standing up. And then what was your I, stage weight? What would you cut down to? Oh, I get down to 180 my first show. That's a lot of weight to I was a, I was a chubby, chubby dude. I was round. <laughs> and then also it, it was not comfortable. Describe people what uh what a diet like a bodybuilding diet consists of. You know. Uh oh like well that's that's another thing. My my diet, I I made it really simple. Um, so for example, the last uh, two years, three years of competing, um, I ate every two hours. I ate, this is now, this is every day for my diet. It just the, the ratios would be different, uh, ground beef, rice and green beans. And then I would have a steak and green beans for dinner. So every two hours, so I ate like nine times a day. Mm. So, but I ate eight of those times I ate a day was just ground beef, rice, and green beans. And huh. then steak and green beans for dinner. And that was for eight weeks. <laughs> and a lot of red meat. I'm surprised. Most usually uh, chicken and fish for a lot of people. But Yes, that's what I, that's what I started out as with yeah. chicken, chicken and fish and egg whites and and I, I just, I ended up talking to a guy that had competed for a while. He was a, a, a coach, a team coach. And he said, give, just, just work. Let me work with you on this one show. And he was, there's only one other person that diet wise that I worked with. And that was that female bodybuilder. So up until this point, I had only worked with one person about diet. And I was like, all right, I'll give you this one shot, but I'm telling you, if I come in looking like crap or all this stuff, you're gone. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you out. <laughs> so, I put all my faith in him and diet, and he, you know, he did my my weight. He dialed me in, and I won the overall. And then after that, I was just okay. I'm good. Thank you. You're yep. this is awesome. So yeah, can't argue with that. So you know, yeah, I I think a lot of it had to do with the. With Go ahead. Go. Yeah, go for it. Oh, I was going to say, I think with the, you know, the ground beef that has the higher fat than your chicken and fish. Um, and the, the, I, I believe that it's just the way that I trained that my body really adapted to that well. Um, that I needed those higher fat content because I, I really, I rarely took days off. Um, I had a, a system down where I would train like I'm paying for it now. My joints crazy hurt now, but um, <laughs> I was just like a, I just, I didn't like to take, I was stupid about it. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I got out of it. It's just, everything was, it wasn't, it wasn't longevity. It wasn't for the, you know, for long term. I couldn't see myself doing it, you know, for years down the road without, yeah you know, being in a wheelchair or something. <laughs> I mean, it's a rough lifestyle. And the fact that you did 11 years is, I, I give you a lot of credit for that. I, like, I don't, I don't think people who've never done a show understand how much effort and training goes into it. Right. Like, you know, but right. I used to do, I used to do a lot of, I used to do a lot of running before I got into bodybuilding 
And when you train mm. for a marathon, you run in the morning and then you go about your day, right? Like I did my training for the day. I generally eat what I want. I try to eat healthy, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but when you're doing bodybuilding, it's like every hour of your day revolves around this. And like, yes. if, if you try to have a social life, like that's not really a thing. <laughs> Or you need right. to be around people that are very, very understanding because they, they're like, well, I don't, I don't understand. You just have like one bite of the burger. Why don't you just have one beer? And you're like, you know what? I'm just not going to come out next time. It's just too much. It's just too much of a hassle. Yeah, it basically controls your life. So it's, tell me, it's... tell me, um, you know, as you switched over and got into obstacle course racing, um, we got two questions mm-hmm. and then we'll start wrapping things up. But the first question is, um, and you may have partially answered already, you know, why switch to obstacle course racing and like kind of what caused that switch? Um, well, I, like, like I had mentioned, bodybuilding was, it was awesome. I don't, I don't regret it. It was, it was a great experience. Um, it's just longevity and the, the consumption of time involved to, to get where I wanted to go and where I was, it was just the more, the longer I stayed in it, the more time it consumed of my day of my life. And I didn't want it to be all about that. I wanted to, I just reached a point where, you know what? I still want to be fit. I still want to work out, but I want to have a lot more fun. I want to have more, more downtime. I want to be able to kind of do or eat what I want without worrying about it. And so I just, I went to a national level show in the NPC, the IFBB North Americans got crushed. It was the lowest place I'd ever, (laughs) first time I placed lower than third. And they stopped uh, placing you at 16 and I placed 16th along with many other people. Mm. So I was like, you know what? I'm good. I, I think I trained for, I don't know, a few more months after that. I just kind of, you know, just thought about things, but still kept my training at a high level. And then I was just like, you know, what? I, I can't, it's not worth it. Cause I just found that it was the more I stayed in it, the more it consumed me, the more I want to make this happen. I want to get my pro card. I want to do it. No, no, I, I just don't want to go down that road. So I switched, I switched into, you know, starting to run some five K's and, the first time I ran after being done with the bodybuilding training, I couldn't even go a quarter mile without stopping huffing and puffing. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. So what, you know, as you transitioned into more of the endurance lifestyle, then, you know, as I read in your bio, you started doing some really long stuff, right? Like BFX ultra uh, 24 hour and some hundred milers and stuff like that. You know, yep. what, what lessons did you pull over from the bodybuilding world that apply to, uh, endurance or obstacle course racing um it's just i don't i don't train the same way my training isn't as precise isn't measured isn't um as dedicated as it is now as it was when i was bodybuilding because i don't want to get to the you know where i don't want it to almost be like a job again but when i get into these uh, events that's where my discipline that's where my headstrong um comes in and you know i'm gonna push i'm gonna do the best i can if i set up to run 100 miles i don't want to dnf i'm gonna push through you know um it's the the conversion lessons man there's it's just about i don't know like you gotta enjoy it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I enjoyed, you know, you, you can tell because there's some people that, that want to do these things and it's just not for them. And you, sometimes you can tell, but with, when you're, when you're doing something that you got to find, you got to enjoy it. And if you enjoy the, all aspects of it, the, the after the fatigue, the during, just like I did when I was bodybuilding, I enjoyed all that. You got you got to get into something that you enjoy. That's and, that's good. No, I, I like it. That's a good uh, that's a good lesson. Gotta, yeah, if if you enjoy pushing yourself, which I do, then 
that's where you, you gotta gotta run with it. I know I've had some friends over the last couple of years that you know I've, it felt like they were still obstacle course racing just because you know that's what they've done the last couple of years, and not because and like you were saying, like their heart didn't seem to be in it anymore. It's just like eh, I'm just going through the motions because I don't know this is what I've done the last couple of years, and I don't <laughs> I don't have a better idea at this point. So right, sure, you know? yeah, and there's there's nothing wrong with that too, but I mean I just couldn't can't see doing something that I don't fully enjoy. Right on. Cool. Well, a uh, lot of good information there and um, surprised at how many uh, similar kind of crossover background points we have. Yeah. Before definitely. we, yeah, before we get going though, you know, we like to ask people, tell us one thing people would be surprised to know about you. So um, yeah, I, I didn't give you much prep. I told you at the beginning of the podcast about this. So let's see if you came up with anything good and then I'll try to match it or I may just go off and share something random. Um, all right. So something that a lot of people might, or what was it again? Something that was unique? Or uh, people would be surprised to know about you. So, oh, well, um, I used to be and kind of still am. I'm not in it as much. I haven't done it for a long time, but I used to be the biggest sports card, um, nut around collecting all the, you know, baseball, football, basketball cards. Um, and it's not anything crazy, Yeah. but do those still, do those still have any value? Like, I, I mean, they, they stopped producing as far as I'm tracking. Like, I don't think there's baseball cards anymore, or if, if they are, they're a very limited run. Are yeah. They, are I, they still doing that? Uh, there's still cards out there. Um, I haven't been into a sports card store in a long time. Um, the last time I really started doing anything, I was buying everything off eBay way back when eBay was big. I mean, it's still big, but yeah, not like it used to be. I mean, right. <clears throat> you know, 20 years ago, it was like, Oh, eBay. Now it's like, eh, there's this thing called eBay that's still existing in the background. Right. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're worth some, but the thing about that, it's almost like the stock market there. It's kind of iffy it's they're not like it used to be let's put it that way because the mass production and everything really and there's just a lack of interest yeah i just haven't seen you know i'm, I'm trying to think of the last time i saw a base a store that like sold primarily like a lot of larger amount of baseball cards um yeah they've really just, switched up like walmart it used to be in any convenience store you could go in and there'd be you know tops yeah. or don Russ packs or whatever now you it's in like one little section in Walmart and then there's, you know, all the other like Pokemon or Pikachu cards or whatever else they got. There's now there's just small little things of baseball, football and basketball. And so the, the only other place you could get them would be online or <clears throat> going into a sports card store. And even their pricing guards, Beckett magazine is those have shrunk. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of prints, a lot of print stuff in general has gone severely reduced from what it used to be, right? Know, but twenty years ago, but uh, so I'll, I'll, for something similar, I never really, I, I you know, I had a, I had a bunch of baseball cards and probably a couple of football cards, but it wasn't a huge collection. I did have a lot of Marvel cards, so like the Marvel, uh, oh yeah, characters. So I had most of one of the series of that, and then other than that, a uh, comic book collection. I have a. I have a I have a fair number of comic books. I, you know, the the Green Lantern is what Green Lantern is what I had subscribed to, and I have like I think the third series. I have every issue, so like one to two hundred and twenty-five or something like that. Wow, nice. A smattering of other stuff, but um, I still read comics. Although I find that uh, now I'm I care less about the actual value of the comic because I'm just not interested in buying and then trying to resell at some point. So I just I'm all about a uh, digital comic. So I'll download something to my phone or. Oh, gotcha. My reader. And it's, it's, you know, like you can get a, you know, a trade paperback that would cost like 40 bucks. You can get it for like $10. So you get the same, you get the same story as long as you don't physically want the comic. If you just want the story, you know, it's, there's a lot of great options available. So I still read comics occasionally. Mm. If you still have those Marvel cards, those might be worth worth some Marvel, you know, the the Marvel industry is booming, you know, with all the. That's a good. That's a good point. I should look it up and try to. Uh, they're at my parents' house. I got to go and dig them out and try to resell them there. But yeah, there was a oh, lot yeah. of 
there's a lot of characters that, you know, that's how I know them. It's from the cards. It's not from, um, you know, you, there's certain, most people read the popular comics, right? Like Spider-Man or whatever. But like a lot of the characters right. that are appearing in the movies now, I recognize from the cards from back in the day. So. Ah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Making this, it's making us come back. Yeah. Um, I, although I am more of a DC guy in general. Um, although DC does a sure. garbage job with their movies. They're just like, here's more Batman and Superman. You're like, I know, guys. You do this like every two years. Like, do something else. <laughs> I, so, so, so random story. I went to – I worked at Under Armour as like an uh, – through, through actually the military as like an intern kind of or like a special guest for like three weeks um back in what year was that 2013 and uh a dc rep came because they had released their alter ego line where they're talking about like you know they have like uh under armor compression shirts with the uh different superhero logos and the dc rep were there was like yeah we really like to do a lot of batman and superman it's like that's why you guys are terrible because you refuse to like (laughs) you refuse to get anywhere outside your comfort zone i know the green lantern movie was terrible no one likes it except me um, but you know, they, Marvel just, it just has done such a much a better job with their, their Marvel universe versus DC. So, all right. Mm. Yeah. That's enough nerding out for a minute. Uh, before we go, <laughs> uh, Josh, any final shout outs you want to give friends, family, sponsors, etc. Um, obviously like to, you know, thank my, my wife, Amber for, supporting me and all these crazy things that that i do she may not like it or understand it but she um she's very supportive <laughs> um like to thank chopped it for you know they kind of pretty much sponsored me for the um for the long haul and um like to thank the special operations warrior foundation for being supportive and you know they they give me materials to to hand out to anybody who would like it. So I'll have some stuff at the long haul. I don't, I don't know what the long haul exactly is their uh, participant uh, spectator requirements, but I know you can go there. Um, and share that date but, one more time for everyone. Uh, January 16th, the race starts at uh, 7 a.m. It's a Saturday. And what city, what's the closest big city? It is in Lando Lakes. Like the butter? Yeah. Yep. Is that where the butter comes from? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I was like excited for a second. I was like, "This guy, like, isn't the land of like have an Indian on it, or am I Native American? Is it my, I think am that, I, am I no, yeah. Can I no longer say Indian? Is that piece no uh, longer PC? I, uh, I plead the fifth. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, did they remove her? Uh, like they removed Aunt Jemima? I can't. I can't remember. Right. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> we'll, we'll have to go research hmm. that. Um, right. Anyway, to circle back on that. <laughs> sorry, I digress there. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll share some of your links and try to share some of your updates and a link for the Special Operations Warrior Foundation. If anyone wants to donate, uh, please do. Other than that, uh, teamstrengthspeed.com. You can pick up any of my books in hard copy and I have links to digital. Um, if you listen to the podcast a couple of weeks ago when I did the Q&A, I also mentioned that I was doing an update to my, uh, my best-selling book, The Strength and Speed's Guide to Elite Obstacle Course Racing. So the update is now live. It's called, it's available on Amazon and digital only at this point. And it's called the new strength and speeds guide to elite obstacle course racing. You can find it. It's got me and Brenna Calvert, Red Beast Calvert on the cover uh, after winning uh, Hannibal race in Kuwait. And when I recorded that podcast a couple weeks ago, I said I was going to drop the price, right? So right now it's listed at $9.99 or $9.98 or something on Amazon. So if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to give you a heads up. Um, for one day, for 24 hours, I'm going to drop the price essentially as low as Amazon will let me put it. I think it's $2.99, so $3. Um, and I'm going to do that on January 19th. So plenty of time for people to listen to this podcast. Mark it on your calendar. Um, and the reason I'm doing that is because I know some people had bought the book originally, and I don't want to like charge you full price again for an update to the book, but I want you to have the update information. So I'm basically dropping the price to $3 for a single day. Uh, January 19th and you know I'd mark it on your calendar now I'm going to mention it when I release the next podcast on January 18th and that'll be kind of your final warning 
And uh, I'm not going to post about it online. So it's just for listeners of the podcast who want to pick up a copy of the book or a digital copy of the book. Um, you don't have to prove to me that you already own a copy. I will go with your word. Um, and I'm obviously not going to check because I have no way of checking. But yeah, January 19th, $3, new strength and speed guide to elite obstacle course racing. It's got a ton of pictures in there uh, you, that Stoke Shed took, Bobby Ross and Victoria Ross from you know, Conquer the Gauntlet, OCR America, and some of the other events um, throughout the Midwest. So definitely check that out. And then other than that, uh, my biography book, Ultra OCR Man from Special Forces Soldier to Record-Setting Professional Obstacle Course Racer, is available on digital, hard copy, and uh, on Audible. So you can listen to it if you want. And if you want a hard copy, you can buy it off Amazon, but I prefer if you buy it off the Team Strength Speed website, because if you buy it off the teamstrengthspeed.com website, the profits from that go to Folds of Honor. So I don't, I don't make any money if you buy that book from uh, my website versus Amazon. So uh, head over and do that. Josh, thanks again for coming on. Um, and then all oh, yeah last, last note bleg mitts i'm out of large lights i still have a couple of small lights and medium lights and then i have small medium and large extremes all available so uh like like i said josh thanks for coming on great talking to you and um i have to we'll have to meet up sometime when i come out to florida i know one of my teammates ashley and jay and ashton live out there so uh, oh yeah ashley samples yeah 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 so i went i went out to um tough mudder down there last year in december it was actually te actually technically that was the last tough mudder in the united states um oh. still <laughs> so they haven't held they haven't held another event since then so right <laughs> um but yeah it was it was a good time and then we did some sightseeing some lego land and some stuff like that so yeah definitely, nice definitely want to bring the family back out to florida for a little bit and hit some more races uh, once things open up a little bit more and do some more yeah working yep for sure cool well thanks again and uh yeah. we'll catch up with you later and uh best wishes on your event you're gonna crush it and looking forward to see how it goes